and welcome to Opinions, the new show from the folks who bought you the Beer O'Clock Show. I'm Steve and I'd like to welcome my new co-host, Martin. Hi guys. Hi Martin, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad at all, mate. Good, good. Well, each week Martin and I are going to be chatting about what's been going on in the industry, sharing our opinions on a particular subject and pulling a beer or two out of one of our cellars to drink and to chat about. There'll be some bits that you recognise from the Beer O'Clock Show, but who doesn't love to receive a great big box of nothing? Um, so... This is a, a pilot episode for, for us this evening. We're, we're having a bit of a play around with the new format of the, the new show. Um, Martin, welcome to the co-host chair. Thank it's, you. Uh, it's quite strange for me to be sat in the host chair uh, leading this thing. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, uh, first of all, thanks for uh, asking me to do this with you, Steve. It's, uh, uh, it's a pleasure to have you along, mate. And it's, uh, you know, big shoes to fill, I realise, from, the, from your beer buddy. <laughs> Um, hello, Mark. Uh, my my beer origin story, um, well, starts with the parents. They're Irish. So alcohol was quite heavily featured in my life. Uh, lived above and off licence for about 12, 13 years. First beer festival in 1987. Obviously, I was 18. And, uh, you know, over the intervening years, I started to learn a bit more about, about uh, beer. Joined Cameron in 2001 and uh, started running a work beer tasting club in March 2011 with a, a regular listener of the Beer O'Clock Show, Clayton, who helps out with that, and uh, been blogging for the last year or so. So, uh, yeah, it's just been a, a bit of a progression, and it's one of those subjects, the more you know, the more you want to know, and the least you actually find out that you really do know. So I'm enjoying my beer journey at the moment. I think I think most of us can relate to, to, to that particular journey. We've all got a, a, a similar story to tell. Um, and I'm sure people will find out more about you as, as the weeks go on. Yeah, as, I'm sure as, a few bits will come out. Absolutely. Um, okay, so with, with this new opinion show, um, we're, we're going to flip things around a little bit. And, and rather than the, the, the focus being on, on the beer, um, we're going to be doing other little bits. We're going to be drinking some beers, of course, because... It wouldn't be a beer podcast unless we cracked open a beer or two. To be fair, I would have said no to the invite. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a crap beer podcast <laughs> if we don't actually get to drink yeah, beer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's start off with, uh, I suppose, a feature that, that, that people will be used to. What, what have we been up to this week? What, what beery adventures have we been getting ourselves into? Um, Martin? Well, I, uh, I made my first appearance at the uh, Birmingham Beer Bash on Saturday. Uh, went up there with my younger brother, met up with uh, Clayton, um, and uh, David Martin was there, and also the Maxwells, who were on the Beer O'Clock show a couple of weeks ago, and um, had a thoroughly enjoyable time. It's um, a much smaller festival than, say, Craft Beer Rising or Indie Man, but the setting beside the canal was absolutely fabulous. Um, very sunny day, plenty of outside space. Uh, where the beer area was, was one small area, one small hall. So as soon as you went in, you could fairly much see everything that was available to you. Um, so sampled some Saisons from Fixed Wheel, um, and they were both very nice. One very, was a very summery wheaty beer, and one was a bit uh, sweeter and a little bit heavier. Uh, Kaiser was one of them, and uh, Summer Wheat was the other one. Um, tried, obviously I did a Claxton, I had a house here. I saw that. I was, I was a little bit jealous at that <laughs> moment, I have to admit. <laughs> I did, did decide. I did say Claxton to my brother. 
He had no idea what he was on about. Um, but I still did it anyway. But the uh, the standout beer for me was um, a beer from, I'm just looking at Untapped here, which everyone can't see, uh, is from Sacra Brew. And I'm still just waiting for Untapped to come up. I hate technology at times. The, the joys of a uh, live podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, I should have put it on pen and paper. That would have been better. Uh, Wendigo. Um, it was an American IPA, largely using mosaic hops, and they really did come through. It was a banging drink. I could have drunk a lot more of that. Very, very nice that was. But hats off to everyone at the Birmingham Beer Bash. I thought it was a really well-organised festival. Lovely spot. Ten-minute walk from the station. Ticked all the boxes. It's, um, it's one of those festivals that I've not been able to make it to yet, and... I'm, I'm concerned that I won't ever be able to make it because it always clashes with my youngest son's birthday. Well, so, not till he's old enough to go. Yeah, and yeah, so I've got at least another 10 years to, to wait for that. But for, for me, and I suppose you can make the comparison between the two, it, it's got a bit of the feel of kind of where Indie Man was a couple of years ago in terms of the buzz that there is around it and yeah. the excitement around the festival and, and the brewers that are involved and the beers that they bring all seems to be of a very similar vein. Is, is yeah, that definitely. Right? The buzz that I was getting from Indie Man a few years ago um, on Twitter, um, the, the Birmingham Beer Bash is getting towards that. Um, I think, I, I don't know if they're going to outgrow where they are now, but they could definitely, they, they would have scope for more brewers if they did move somewhere else or redesign the layout. But a bit like Indie Man, you'd lose maybe sight of the venue. And the venue itself is really nice. Just as I said, right on the waterway, they've got some lovely old build, Victorian buildings which have been done up. Um, it really works on the level it's at. And I think because Birmingham is now starting to wake up, a bit of a slumbering giant in the craft beer world is now starting to come to life. I think there's, it, it's going gonna, it, it's gonna to appear on a lot of other people's calendars over the next couple of years, I think. And do you think it'll get to the point where it, you say... It's quite a small venue. Um, would that quickly outgrow that venue, do you reckon? I don't know about quickly, but I think they will start looking at it because I definitely think there's probably scope for more people wanting to attend. Okay. Which And they controlled the numbers really well on the Saturday daytime. I didn't go to the evening, but the Saturday daytime session always felt busy, buzzing, and comfortable. I never felt like I was having to queue um, there was enough people to bump into to talk to but the the brewers and the guys behind the bar still had a bit of time for you that's always that's always a nice touch at festivals isn't it where yeah. you can actually get a, an opportunity to chat to the brewers and and the people that are, that are serving you beers yeah which is which is one of the things about craft beer festivals it's probably different to camera led beer festivals where it's camera volunteers apart from the brewery sponsored bars mm. you don't get a chance to talk to anyone who's actually been that close to the beer Whereas at the craft beer festivals, you're often talking to the person who made the beer. Okay. So, uh, yeah, hats off, really enjoyed it. And I was, you know, it was a nice journey for me because I was only staying in Milton Keynes, so I was on the train for about 50 minutes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. nice and simple. Anyone who's organising a beer festival, put it near a mainline station, there's a good chance I'll try to make it. Brilliant. Transport is so important, isn't it? Yes, to, it, to it is. Yeah, yeah. To, to, put it half an hour away from a train station, I'll think twice. So it's a bit more of a struggle, yeah. Um, I'm... I'm dwelling on, on your beery adventure because I've got nothing to share uh, this week. We're, we're obviously recording this pilot episode in, in, in the same week as 
uh, one of the last episodes of the Beer O'Clock Show was, was recorded and I don't just want to go over our old ground and share the same old beers that, 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 that I've been drinking. Um, just I'm, I'm going to mention it again though, Odyssey Brewing Co, their, their, their beers are incredible, I've had a few more of those uh, specialising in IPAs and big stouts and beers with big flavours. I've really been enjoying those, so uh, they're ones to keep an eye out for. Yeah, they're definitely uh, ones I want to keep an eye out for. Yeah, they're, they're the ones you did with Sparky, right? Uh, right? No, right. that was it. Was it was Sparky who kind of referenced them right. and and said that that I need to get on them. Quite a few other people that are into their hops like I am have said the same thing. So uh, I finally uh, made the jump last week and bought some of their beers, and have been very happy with the selection that I've had so far. Okay, so good recommendation then. Absolutely, yeah. Keep your eye out for Odyssey Bruco, and you can um, you know, you can get them from Ebria as 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 well. So that's always good because you can jump on there. You can use a discount code as as well. Excellent. Um, Everyone loves so a discount code. Everybody loves a discount. Uh, it just uh, helps soften that blood <laughs> a little bit when when you order a load of beer. Um. Anyway, let's get on to uh to some beer. I, I think. Good idea. Um. So every every week we're gonna we're gonna take a turn to pull something out of our cellar and and to share it. Why we record the podcast. Uh, this week it's it's my turn to, to pull something out of the cellar, and I am pulling out uh, Petrus. Petrus is how I would say it. Is, is how I you think would it's I think it. it's basically after it's named after the wine. Okay, so um, we've got three uh, sour beers from Petrus that we're going to be trying. We've got the oak, uh, the aged pale ale, which is the uh, original beer. Yeah, from, I think it's their their base beer. Yep. And then we've got the Aged Red, um, which is a beer that's been blended with cherries um, as well in there. And, and these are stepping up in ABV as well. So the, the Aged Pal is 7.3, the Aged Red is 8.5, and the Oud Brown makes me look like an absolute liar because it's only 5.5%. So um, the, the, the paperwork that, that I have with these beers suggests that we go with the pale first and then we try the other two and then we try uh, we play around and have a bit of a blend of them as well so I'm going to do it in, in that way okay um, I'm going to say up front uh, full disclosure these beers were sent to us by Boutique Bar Brands uh, for which we are very grateful um, to receive them uh, and we are going to give these a try and we're going to chat a little bit about the beers and then we're going to talk some opinions I think Okay, thank you very much. So, um, aged pal, first of all, um, on the nose, it's very, very lemony and got a very tart. Yeah, almost that, to it. Almost that ciderish. Yeah, ciderish. Maybe erring on the side of, of of white wine in there as well. It's it's definitely got that sour. Yeah, I mean, this may be a bit of a bit of a surprise that the first time I'm recording a new show with Steve and he pulls out some sours. It's um. The beers I've been meaning to do for a while, but but because of the fact that you're supposed to play around with them and blend them, it wasn't an experiment I wanted to do on my own. So this this gave me a great opportunity to uh, to, to give them a go. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's get in, mate. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Now that's a lot smoother than I expected. It's very smooth. It's incredibly dry. Yes, it that's, is like a dry well. white wine. It's almost sucking the moisture out of my mouth. Yeah, but it's still smoother than I expected. Bearing in mind the tart ciderish nose yeah. you got first of all, absolutely yeah. It's um it's really reminiscent of of, of sparkling white wine. Um, yeah, it has got a lovely gentle carbonation on it as well. Yeah, 
And unusually for this kind of beer, for a base beer, it's very pale, very golden. It, it is, isn't it? It's, it's incredibly clear. Um, it's, it's got a lovely, as, as you say, it's got a lovely effervescence to it. Um, it's maintaining its head well as, as it yeah. goes down the glass as well. Um, but it's just, like I say, it's so dry. So what do, what do we know about these, these guys? Okay, um, don't know much about the brewery, but I've got information about the beer. Well, that's a good um, start. So the, the aged pal is 100% beer from the Furders. Furders? I think it's Furders. Furders. I, think it's, yeah. I think it's Furders, yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson, known to many as the Beer Hunter, um, chose the name for the beer in the late 1990s. Um, and was the first to take the beer and sell it in his clubs. Um, it's still today the reference base beer for sours in the US as, as well. This is what a lot of um, US breweries base their sours on. Um, multiple gold medal winners uh, across the world. Um, and ever since the start of the brewery, uh, the, the, this one is used as the blending base beer for, for playing around with the other two. Yeah, um, I, I think as I understand it, it was Michael Jackson that persuaded them to actually bring it out as a beer in its own right. It was originally only ever going to be a base beer. Okay. So it, he badgered them apparently. Yeah. And eventually they caved in. Um, and the Belgium Beer Association, for want of a better phrase, when they found out that Michael Jackson had got hold of a, a quite a large amount of it but it was all going outside of Belgium they were too happy they wanted in on it they got in on it everyone loved it and they haven't turned back since but tasting it it's hard to believe they always they never thought this would ever stay, stand as it on its own yeah I mean it's it is an incredible bit it's very smooth yeah. I mean this is smoother than I would say the uh, base Cantillon it's still so dry though it is still it's, so it's dry just, it's completely drying me out um, let's um let's move on and um Talk some opinions because that's that's why we're here. Yeah. Um, so each week we're we're going to try and make the the, the focus of the podcast um, more of a discussion um, around the opinions poll that, that that we do on Twitter. So in in preparation for uh, this pilot episode, we asked a, a question that I knew I wouldn't get a chance to ask on 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 the old beer o'clock show as as it is now. Um, so, so the question that I asked was, uh, should the Great British Beer Festival be exclusively British beer? And, and with a simple yes or no answer to that. Now, we had 165 people voted in the poll. Um, 75% of people said no, it shouldn't be exclusively Great British beer, uh, leaving 25% of people to, to say yes. Um, a few comments uh, that, that were made. Um, as part of the, the, the poll. So the first one's quite an interesting one. Um, Dave Martin, uh, at RDG Martin on Twitter, um, first of all made the point, is it the Great British Beer Festival or the Festival of Great British Beer, um, which could actually influence your decision in, in terms of the way you go with that poll? Uh, Luke McGlynn uh, said, there's something for everyone at GBBF. That's what a beer festival should be, whether it's British heavy or not. Uh, Matt Chinnery said, I actually think it should be the showcase of what Britain is producing, including key keg options. And, and Matt almost taking us into a completely different discussion there. Uh, Roni Bean says, British only, why give up valuable display display space to foreign beers? Adnams need eight taps. Um, not biased at all there from, from Ronnie Bean. Um, Miles Lambert 
Not exclusively, uh, should promote UK beers, but encourage the view of beer as a global market. Similarly, similarly, I can't say that word. (laughs) (laughs) Edit. Edit, yeah. Um, Similarly, local beer festivals should promote local breweries, but also a selection from outside the area attracts visitors. UK Craft Beer Network said, yes, showcase British beer, but having a bar with the best the world has to offer can only be good. And then finally, and this is an interesting one as well, which I'm sure we'll come to, uh, Michael Lally at Bushcraft Beer. If the GBBF doesn't, then I'd love to see a festival that does. So quite a range of views there. Yeah. Um, as I say, 75% of people say, no, it shouldn't be exclusively British beer. Um, Martin, what's, what's your view on this one? Uh, well, I'm very firmly in the, of the opinion that it should just be British beer. Um, it's a camera-led beer festival. According to the Good Beer Guide 2014, there's over 1,100 breweries producing 11,000 beers. And if we can't fill Olympia with that, then I would say we're doing something wrong. Um, The other thing I would say is that I'm not necessarily a big fan of the foreign beers we do get in, so I don't think they're the best of the best anyway, because again, even as a camera member, I can see that we're only bringing in beers that camera approve of. And I think that the problem with doing that is then we miss out the best of the best. So the rest of the world, and I also sometimes think the American cask bar, I'm not sure it actually works that well. American cask beers versus the other dispense methods that the Americans do mm-hmm. produce better beers. Um, I'm, yeah, I think that we should either, it should either be great British beers and you either have less beers from less breweries in a smaller space or I would change the title. Okay. But very firmly, if you're going to do it as it is now, we should be able to put in great British beer. Okay, so let's let's. I mean, before before we get into that, I'll share my opinion as well, which is very similar to yours. I I, I do think it should be a showcase of, of of the best of what Britain has to offer in 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 terms of. Beer and and that's also maybe dipping in a little bit to, to to Matt Chinnery's point that that should include other dispense methods as well. So yes, it's a camera festival, so we, we would expect it to be cask heavy, but why not embrace the likes of Key Keg and other options um, where you can showcase what actually some of the best breweries in the UK right now are producing. Yeah, I would agree. I think if they were willing to go down that route, I'd get rid of the American cast beer, get rid of the beer San Frontiers, and have other dispense. I still would say it should be cask, because you know if Camera are willing to organise such a big festival on a grand scale, their idea of what it should be should lead. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are volunteering to do it. It's the breweries which are producing the beers that go down there. Um, they're the ones doing all the publicity but I would say keep it exclusively British and open it a little more past just having beer on gravity would be definitely a way forward okay Um, I'm going to come back to this discussion I want to get into another one of the beers because we've got to get through three of these Um, I'm going to go for the Oud Brown Oud Brun Oud Brun Oud Brun Um, people uh, that have listened to to Beer O'Clock Show in the past will know that I, I struggle with uh, pronouncing things, so it's another good reason not to have foreign beer at the Great British Beer Festival because Steve can't pronounce it. Um, so this is uh, this is five point five percent, and this is thirty three percent Fuda beer, and sixty seven percent John Bruin beer. 
Um, I'm sure we'll get on to, to what that actually means in, in, in a moment. So let's just uh, pour some of this out. Um, oh, is this from the... Uh the beer festival you went to in Copenhagen, it, it, it this is. glass. Yeah, the, I'm showing you all a little glass. Yeah, you need to get used to the fact that podcast listeners oh. can't see things. See, no one told me that. They're, they're exclusively audio. But uh, it's, a, it's a lovely little glass. It's a tiny little glass. It yeah. is a very tiny little um, glass. Let me top it up a little bit more and I think I've given you a bit of a, a measly pour. Although that's the little glass that was responsible for putting me well and firmly on my arse twice while I was there. It's um, probably a good idea it wasn't bigger. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this one, as you would expect, uh, this pours a lot darker. It, it's brown. It's it's obviously brown in colour. It's got a road and back type of colour. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's got um. It's got a more woody aroma to it. Yeah, but it hasn't got that sour nose. No, there's there's no there's no sourness there, at all. Um, so this one's been aged for two years in, in oak fooders. Um, 67% young brown beer in, in the blend. And, and the young dark beer contributes to the reddish brown colour. And the aged pale contributes to the slightly sour flavour. So um, let's give this one a try and see, see what happens yeah. with this one. Cheers. Oh, no, that's really drinkable. Very drinkable. There's, that is, is hardly... There's... there's Hardly any sourness to that. A little bit of dryness at the at the back yeah. end, and that's about it. I mean, for anyone who listens who who likes a Roddenbeck, and for people who then don't like a Roddenbeck, you would you would still like this. This is nothing like a Roddenbeck in flavour. No, it I'm hasn't not. got the same sharpness, the same tartness, the same sourness. It's 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 just. I hesitate to say it. It's like a boring brown beer. It's um, the Belgium's version of a boring brown beer. Yeah. But it's it's full of life. It's there's all sorts of flavours going on in there, um, and yeah, it's got that dry finish. There is a as you say, there's a slightly sour, ever so slightly sour hint to it, but it's nowhere near as sour as the um, as the aged pan. No, and it's got slightly sort of that woody almost fruitiness, without it having fruit added. Yeah, it's got like a hint of that in the flavour as well. That makes me um, really excited for the aged red and potentially blending that with the aged red. Yeah, uh, I, I think you could almost argue that there's almost too much pale. Almost, yeah. But we've we, we can we've, we've yeah. still got some left, so we can play around and we we can see we can see how that works. So let's um let's jump back to the the, the opinions discussion. So we're talking Great British Beer Festival and whether it should be exclusively yep. British beers. Um, one of the comments that was made was um, about the distinction of whether it is the Great British Beer Festival yeah. or the Festival of Great British Beers. Um, and um, a lot of people saying that they really appreciate having the foreign beers available. Now, that that's one of the things that kind of gets my goat a little bit is, is that people seem to only go to the Great British Beer Festival to sample the, the foreign beers. And they will camp out at those bars and they will drink that beer all day long. They won't even try the British beer that's on offer. Do you not think that that's doing our own brewing industry a disservice? Massively. Because they're not, I mean, as I said, as part of my beer origin, I have been a camera member since 2001. My first festival was 1987. I am a big advocate of what camera has done and does do, while also acknowledging there are flaws. Um, but... When you do get a great pint of cask beer, 
there are few things better. And you don't get that at the beer sand frontiers. And I don't think you, in my own experience, I don't even think Americans and cars are quite a, ma a marriage made yet. That some of them are experimenting with it, some of them do it, but I don't, they don't, they haven't nailed it as well as we have. When we nail it, we nail it really well. Yeah. And I would say that when a lot of people go to the Great British Beer Festival, it's held in the holiday season for a reason. And you get tourists going to it. We want to showcase our best beers. But also going back to the point you made, Steve, about people camping down there. I mean, to be honest, if I just wanted to drink foreign beers, US beers, I could pick other places to do it, which would do it better yeah, than yeah. the Great British Beer Festival. And also, I'm not really sure why you would just do it at Olympia. Olympia is a bit of a pig to get to, for starters. Mm -hmm. So unless, you're, you know, unless you're, you're, you've got a free ticket or a free pass or you just like Olympia, which let's face it was a much better choice than when we had it at Old School, I would say that if you're going to go there, you've got to have a little wander around. You know, maybe you won't be able to have the uh, Champion Beer of Britain because it's either got a long queue or it's run out. Well, that's probably another, that's another topic <laughs> to be discussed yeah, on another day. Yeah. Um, but... I, I think that you, you need to experiment. You need to, to, to try other beers. I mean, even the Great British Beer Festival has thirds as an option now. So you can get thirds, halves and pints. Yeah. So we are moving away from just traditional, you either have a pint for the men and a half for the ladies. Everyone can try what they want in their own measures and they have the various glassware for it as well. So I mean, it's a bit of a shame if people are doing that. I think they're probably missing out on some crackers as well. Yeah. Especially if they're early in the week. I mean, I've been on Saturdays and you are left with what's left yeah but equally i've been there on a wednesday and it's a fantastic selection it's, it's part of the problem and, and and this isn't in any way taken away from the huge amount of work that the massive volunteer workforce put into to making the event happen but but let's be honest those beers arrive on site about a week before they by the time they're being served they they're obviously in the best possible condition that they can be in but they're not in the best possible condition, are they? I think there's probably, um, and, and I think this comes at, this sort of ties in with a couple of things we've read recently, but I think there probably is a case that some of the beer served, while it isn't bad, isn't off, probably isn't quite as intended at times. And I think sometimes that can just be the pressure of looking after so many casks of beer for such a long period of, in a place which isn't really designed for that trying to keep it at a decent temperature, etc. You probably still do suffer a little bit from maybe some people not knowing quite how to look after it as well. After all, volunteers get quite a short training time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I have sometimes been, I've gone for a pint I know I like, and it hasn't been as good as I've wanted it to be or expected it to be. And yeah. I'm thinking, okay, that I've had it plenty of other times. It's probably not down to the brewer. So that that's, can be a bit disappointing. I don't, I don't know how you'd address that. I don't, I don't Logistically, think Logistically. I, I think, you I think know, it's really the size of the festival and the amount of beers that yeah. being put on, you, you get the best of what's yeah. being offered. Um, okay, let's let's come back to this again because there's, there's one more beer that I, that we, we need to get through, which is the, this is the aged red. So so this is the 8.5%, 15% Foda beer, 85% double Brun beer with cherries in it as, as well. So this is a, Basically, this is a big fruit beer. Um, sounds good to me at the moment. Sounds, sounds good to me. It smells quite nice out of the bottle. Obviously, you can't. Um, you're not getting that. No. Um, just yet, but already you can see on the colour, 
It's uh, that is a deep red. It's pouring out a deep red. It's got a slightly pink tinge to the to the head as well, as, as you'd expect. Uh, a slightly more generous pour on this one because this, uh, I think it's going to hit the spot. But God, you get the fruit straight away. That smells of those boiled cherry sweets. Yeah, that's that's all you get off of it, isn't it? It's cherry drops. The only all thing the way. I'm getting a slight, and this could just be my mind playing tricks. Is a slight hint of marzipan. Yes. On the nose. Yeah. No, which is one of my that. least favourite foodstuffs in the whole wide world, next to coconut. <laughs> okay. Um, let's uh, let's see how you get on with the flavour. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Oh, wow. I mean, that that's just like fruit juice. Yeah, it is like someone has liquefied the cherry board sweets. Yeah. Where's the alcohol? It's 8.5%. You'd, you'd lose a day on that easily. Hmm. But again, what it does do, it does taste exactly how it smells. Yeah. That's, so there is incredible. there is a very yeah. fine hint of marzipan, but the cherry is massive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so again, very easy on the sourness. Really isn't... That that one is, compared to the, the, the first one we did, which was yeah, the, 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 base, the aged pale. The aged pale was the most sour. Very yeah. dry, almost lip puckering. Yeah. The, the next one, the brune, only hints of it. And this one... I'm just getting a bit of dryness now. Yeah, a little bit of dryness, lots of fruit, lots yeah. of cherry in it. Um, slight sour hit for me. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with the uh, with, with the cherries that you get in Tang Fastics. It, it's like, yeah. it's like eating, it's like drinking those. I, I can I can see that. It's got that sweet sourness. Yeah, it's that sweet sourness, but it's it's so drinkable, yeah, it's, so easy for its ABV. It's not cloying. No, not oh, at all. Which is nice, which sometimes when things like cherries and raspberries are added, yeah. they can just make it very sweet, very cloying, almost like a dessert wine. Yeah, yeah. This hasn't got that kind of quality at all. On a hot day, maybe even a bit colder, yeah. outside, you could do a few of these, get up and fall over. Easily, yeah, yeah. Okay, so while we finish this, let's finish off the uh, the opinions uh, discussion. So the final point that, that I want to talk about was the point that, that Michael Lally made, which... Which is if if the Great British Beer Festival isn't doing it, should there be a festival in the UK that showcases the best of UK beers only? Well, I would say that you got, well, with the craft beer festivals I've been to, they are almost doing that, but they will always, to all the ones I've been to, will have a selection of international beers, often on keg. I think that there's no reason why we can't. I mean, I love foreign beers. I mean, I've been to Brussels twice this year already. Um, and I've got maybe one, two trips to Germany coming up. I, I love drinking foreign beers. No problem with that at all. I just think every now and again, we should showcase what we can do. And the dispense method shouldn't come into it. Yeah. Whether you could ever create a beer festival which had the best of cask and the best of craft, I don't know. If anyone could pull would, that would, together. Would those two groups exist in the same room? I don't know. It, maybe, <laughs> ju- maybe it's just a dream. Yeah. But, you know, um, if you could do it, I would I would like someone to do it. And I think it's a, well, a point well made by Michael Lally um, that it would be very interesting. Because I, I think you, I think to have all the best generally regarded as the best beers, and obviously that can be subjective as well, but I think most people could pick a fair selection that would come out the same it would be a very interesting day out be a very interesting yeah. day out and I think you could really market it 
you know, we, we as a country, we're, you know, and especially post-Brexit, we're looking to promote Britain in every field we have. So we're always talking about what we can do as, as a country. Beer is something we can do. Yeah. Beer is something which we're actually very good at and have been for a number of years. And when people come over here, they recognise that. People seek out the oldie-worldie pubs or their version of an oldie-worldie pub. They'll do the pub tours, they'll do the walking tours. Um, a pub will get will be mentioned in one of their travel stuff or on their trip advisor. So I see no reason why we wouldn't want to do it as a nation. Perhaps, you know, perhaps the, uh, well, whoever the new secretary for trade is, whose name escapes me at the moment, should, uh, should look into it. Maybe we should have a secretary for craft beer. Yeah, secretary for craft beer. But then you'd need a definition. Yes, we would need a definition and, for and it. That's, that's another opinions <laughs> yeah. subject for another that's, week. That's another whole episode. Yes. Um, okay, so I, I, I think we've done that a, a good service while, while, while we've been going through yeah, these. Yeah, I, I there's some things. very good opinions on there. Yeah. And I don't disagree with beer festivals having beers from either outside their local or having local beers as well. And most camera beer festivals do have a Belgian beer bar. I just think maybe once or twice a year, the big ones, we should just do the British beers. But I thought the views were very good. Yeah, and it was great. It was great for people to get involved, and that's 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 what's going to make this show work, guys. Is if if you get involved in the, the the tweets that we put out every week, share your opinions with us because it enables us to then chat about what you're sharing and and, and really begin to dig into it a, a little bit further. We've still got a little bit of each beer left, yep. so I think we're going to have a little play around with uh, a little bit of blending of these now. Um, so I'm I'm going to go in with um, first of all. Um, I fancy a little bit of the Oud Brune with a little bit of the red, um, just to see how that works. Now, we've not got a lot left of each beer, so I'm going to have to be quite um, conservative on, on the measures that I'm putting. But I'm going to go for about 50-50 on, on this, to, just to see how, how that is. Uh, I'm going to put all the beers in front of Martin, uh, so he can have a choose of his, of his own blend to I, make. I, I'm going to go for the aged pale. And a bit of the uh, the Oud Brune, because I think that could have been a bit more sour. Okay. So. Well, that's um. Mine, all mine seems to have done is probably not one that you'd favour. It's dumbed down the cherry aroma, and it seems to have amplified the marzipan. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the best mix for on, me. On the nose. So I'm getting, I'm getting a bit more, I've got a bit of a, a watered down cola colour now with the Oud Brune and okay. the Aged Pale, yep. about 50-50 again. Um, but I'm still getting the sour notes on the nose, which I wasn't getting when I had the Is Oud the sour Brune. still powering through? Yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I, I think I've got the same here as well. The On, on the flavour, it's, it's more subtle, but it's still the cherry that, that, that's coming through. And I think that's going to happen. I think with, the, with the, 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 the strength of the cherries that were coming off of that beer, you're always going to get that. I am going to try in a minute. I'm going to try the cherry with the the, the, the Powell base beer to see how that works. Yeah, see, I'm 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 probably it's probably fair to say I'm a bigger fan of sours than you, Steve. I reckon so. I reckon that's and a I, fair comment. I do like my sours to be a bit more sour and a bit more dry. Mm. So you get that lip puckering feel. And while I really enjoyed the Oud Brune and the cherry, I much preferred the aged pale. Okay. That I would like that one to lead 
all of them. It was a bit dry for me, but I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm going to play with it in a minute with, with the cherry wine. But I've had much drier base beers than that, and I think I can see why they were persuaded to let it go on its own way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's, um, moving on, let's uh, have a little roundup of the best blogs that we've, we've read this week. What, what, what's caught your eye this week? Okay, I suppose something which we touched on in the, uh, the opinions debate about fresh beer. Yep. Um, Brew Geekery, my uh, long-time friend of the, uh, the beer, o'clock, beer O'Clock Show, Pete McCary, wrote a very succinct and to-the-point article about fresh beer. Who's, you know, basically who's responsible for it. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, was, it, was, it was based on the fact that a, a retailer was basically getting beer. By the time they got it, it was effectively out of date or as good as out of date and they were then having to sell it on at a loss. Now, um, what I want to say about it isn't so much about what, you know, just the purely the content. You can find that yourself on uh, on Pete's website. But it was a good point well made because I'm always wondering who who's responsible for the beer that I actually buy. Am I buying it? Is it the person who's selling it to me? The person who's distributed it? the person who's warehoused it or the brewers so and this probably comes back to a bit about what steve was saying about the cast beer at the great british beer festival because it's a live product you know is that harder easier what's you know what's the best way to do it are the people trained well enough to look after it so it was a really thought-provoking blog i thought and i really really did enjoy it pete doesn't use many words a lot of the time no he's, he's always to the point that that's what i like about pete's writing but he doesn't waste them either yeah so yeah. Uh, that that one really did pique my interest. I mean, wh- what do you think, Steve? I mean, where does as the as the question is, where does the buck stop when it comes to fresh beer? I'm I, I I'm really not sure. I think I think every every step in the chain is going to have a responsibility. So from the the, the the brewery getting it to the distributor, from the distributor getting it to their outlets, and from the outlets getting it to their customers. And I think there are examples where that works really well. So if we take the example of Cloudwater, for instance, and the, the, the recent releases of their dippers, um, they're always in the shop within about a week of them being bottled, so you know you've got no issues there. I think there was a comment in Pete's blog about one distributor had actually relabeled the best before yeah. date to, to allow for it, which I just think is an appalling practice because yeah. that's just that's misleading the consumer. Um, if, if you can't get beer to the customer in its freshest possible state, then don't get it to them at all. Yeah, I'd rather you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to spend my money, and I've I've been victim of that before. I've I've ordered uh, a massive online order bit before, and the beers have turned up, and half of them have been out of date, and I've been been appalled by that. Um, some of that comes down to warehousing, and and are the staff in warehouses actually taking any notice? Um, I I think that's possibly one for another week to, yeah, to get into was, that in terms of how fresh is your beer. It was definitely. A, it was definitely a well well-written post and a very thought-provoking post yeah. definitely yeah and i and thank you pete for not wasting any words no I, that's what i love about pete's blogs like you say he's always to the point um you know you're going to get a nice quick to the point read with pete as, yeah. as well um any, anything else this week that's that's caught your eye uh well one which is uh possibly close to both our hearts here um a a, a post by matt Chinnery, half half pint gentleman um he was a bit prolific this week, but one which caught my eye was the one about the pub where we hold the Essex Bottle Share. Yes, the Owl House in Chelmsford. Yeah. And uh, the question was, why have they never won Chelmsford Pub of the Year? 
Um, they've been open for around about four years now. Uh, they always have 12 cask beers on at any one time, 12 ciders, um, an excellent range of bottles and cans, plus some um, keg beers and some usually some German pills and lagers. So fairly good range, lovely setting right under the arches. Couldn't be closer to the train station other than being actually on the platform. Yeah, you, you, it doesn't take long to get there at all. No, it's, it's, it's superb. You can actually get off the train, have a beer and get back on in the next one. Yeah. And I've, I've done that before when I've dropped bottles off for the bottle share. I've literally got off a train, gone down, dropped my bottles off and got the next one yeah. into, into town. Um, so it, again, that was a good piece, uh, well written, didn't waste uh, much time and words. Um, some good pictures of the own house in there as well. And um, yes, I, I do not understand how they haven't won it. That's not to take anything away from any other winners, but the uh, the, the campaign for the Alehouse to win it starts here. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in complete agreement with, with that as, as well. I think, like I say, it's a well-written piece. It's well-researched. Um, we do all have a fondness for, for, for that place. It serves some of the best beer in Chelmsford. Um, why is it not on the radar? Yes. Yeah. So we, we, will, we will get there. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we'll be doing that every every week, just rounding up some of the blogs that we've really enjoyed reading this, this week. One thing we'll also be doing as well, which we're not going to do tonight because it is only the pilot episode, this is the point where we'll be awarding the prizes prize because I love the prizes prize. I love giving away the big box of nothing on the Beer O'Clock show. I would, I would say there was one occasion when you didn't seem to love it, Steve. And that, yeah, because I should have won it. And, and that fact still remains. Um, but what I'm going to do is I, I'm actually going to hand the reins of this segment over to you in, in the future. So the it's going to be your choice on, on the prize this prize um, in future episodes. And that has nothing to do whatsoever with me wanting to, to submit my own pictures and win. Um, it's just uh, it's about time somebody else cast their eye over some pictures. So that will be in here in this part of the show on, on future episodes. Okay, well, I, I look forward to looking for the, those pictures and see, see who comes out for the big box of nothing. Great stuff. Have we got a new big box of nothing for the new show? Uh, I'm going to get a brand new big box of nothing. There you go. New packaging and everything. Everyone, you heard it here. Yeah, exclusive. Yeah. Um, so any final comments on, on the beers we've been drinking tonight? Uh, I know we've just been playing around. I've just done a blend of the... Yeah, I was, the, the I was thinking about doing one more. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I really do enjoy sour beers. And I do like them to be sour and lip puckering. So the aged pale was my favourite. But what I also did enjoy was the fact that the cherry beer at 8.5% was really nice. Yeah. And what I would also say about these free beers is anyone who says... I don't like beer. Well, just taste these and see if they still match up to your impression of beer. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and um, there's a lot more going on here than people give it credit for, probably. Yeah, the flavors in there are amazing. For me, the cherry's the winner. I really enjoyed that. I, I think I was quite excited about the brown um, or the brune, the oud brune, um, but I just think it it just lacks something. It could have just done with a bit more oomph. It could have done with maybe a bit more alcohol. It was the it was the lightest as yeah. well. Yeah, but thanks to Boutique Bar Brands for sending those through to us um, to enjoy on, on the show tonight. Uh, beers are now available online if you want to buy them and give them a try yourself. So um, make sure you look out for Opinions polls every Sunday evening um, to get involved in our discussions for, for the show. We'll be talking more opinions soon. And in the meantime, you can find us at Beer O'Clock Show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And you can find me on Untapped at Beer Show Steve. Um, Martin, where can people find you, mate? Uh, if you'd uh, beer is the answer in, on Untapped, Instagram, 
and on Twitter you should be able to find some of my beery, beery opinions and beery pictures. Excellent. And we're really pleased to say that we, um, with the new show of opinions, we're still able to bring you discounts from, from some of the online suppliers. So Owls by Mail, Beer Merchants, Ebria and Hotburns and Black are all continuing with their discount codes. Um, just check out where to get them at beeroclockshow.co.uk backslash discounts and that will take you through to our page where you can order your beers. So until next time, folks, um, Martin, it's been a real pleasure uh, recording this for you tonight. I've, I've enjoyed the discussion and I've enjoyed the beers. Yeah, I've enjoyed the beers. I've enjoyed the discussion. Look forward to next time. Okay. Well, until next time. Cheers, cheers. guys.